Left. Right. Yo, what's up, guys? Tonight we're talking about stocks. We're talking about Robinhood. We're talking about what's going on with the stocks that are surging right now. AMC, which is a company in rough shape, um, and GameStop. So uh, listen, learn what's going on, and uh, give me your feedback at the end. See you. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All right. Three, two, one. We are live. This is episode 72 of SIP Talk. Today we are talking about how the stock market works. It's going to be a really exciting episode for James because... <laughs> He's going to do the majority of talking. Uh, I am definitely not well-versed in stocks. Uh, my name is Justin DiGiulio. I am a real estate broker from Manhattan. Uh, we have from Charleston, South Carolina, James the Bosnator Boswell, accountant extraordinaire, professional referee, philosopher, and uh, accountant. Did I say that? What did I miss? Um, bartender, bartender. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, all right. So look, so I want to, because I have very little to contribute to this episode whatsoever, uh, I was going to start out with a little cocktail. Uh, one of my favorite cocktails I haven't made in a while because one of the ingredients is difficult to find. Uh, so what I'm going to start off with, I'm going to, I'm going to hijack the camera here. Uh, let's see. Hit this camera over here. You got me over here? Yep. You're on camera too. All right. So I got a little bar set up behind me. And by bar setup, I don't really have much of a bar setup here. We've got a couch setup. Can you see? All right. So Evan Williams, Aperol. I can't make out the other one. All right. Hold on. Let me. Uh... How's that? You see my little setup? What is this Negroni? Uh, close. I could. Uh, I don't have Campari. You can Campari for Negroni. So Alexa, turn on the desk light. All right. So, uh, again, I have like a full bar, um, but it's in boxes downstairs. I actually started going through the boxes tonight, and then I found a wine glass that was in probably 4,000 pieces. So, I got what I got. Um, and uh, I'm missing one ingredient, but uh, figure that out in a second. So, so equal uh, equal parts here. Aperol. Don't don't say it if you figure out what it is. Uh, we'll see who gets it first in the comments. And uh, if you can guess this drink in the comments, we'll uh, we'll do something special for you. Maybe we'll bring you on next episode, or uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, get you on on a, a live, or we'll buy you a drink. Yeah. Um... While you're doing that, I think like if, if, if anybody has questions about the stock market, what's been going on in the last week, what's been or just general questions about how the stock market works, things that they haven't had explained to them or don't understand, um, get those comments in now so that way we can have an idea as to what we need to respond to. Yeah, we, we want to know your questions about the stock market. So as soon as I finish making this drink, uh, 
which I will be exposed shortly. Um, oh shit, I don't have a knife. Um, we were definitely going to talk about the stock market. So we touched on some of the stuff happening in the stock market on the last episode, but there's been some kind of wilder developments since the last time. So this is the one that's tough to find is the Amaro Nanino. Uh, I think we've talked about this this spear before. Well, it's going to be probably relatively similar to Campari. It's going to be a bitter liquor. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely very bitter, and uh, it's, it's still very sweet. It's a liqueur, right? Am I right on that? Um, I'm not familiar with that one, but if it's sweet, then it's a liqueur. But it, you can still have bitter liqueurs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aperol is a liqueur too. All right, so I may need you to hold this while I run and get a knife. I'll be right back making a cocktail. That's why I come in here. James, want to start talking about the stock market? Give me something to go on. Nothing. Oh, great. All right. So I guess the idea behind this cast is there's been a lot of interest in the stock market in the last really week to week and a half. And it all started really on Monday is when it exploded where the stock GameStop, which I kind of touched on on Monday, garbage stock. The, the company is a brick-and-mortar retailer that is selling video games in an era when most people are migrating towards digital downloads. And it's blockbuster. It's not, not quite as bad as Blockbuster, but close. And it's for the longest time, this stock was trading as low as like $3. And it had a re and some people on Wall Street bets saw that there was a really high short interest in the stock. So for those of you who don't understand what short selling is, short selling is when you borrow shares from somebody else and then immediately sell them for whatever they're worth with the idea that the shares will go down in value and you'll have the opportunity to buy those shares back at some future date for cheaper than you sold them today. We may need to revisit this in a minute when, when you have my full attention because I'm still a little, you've told me this like three times. I don't, yeah. I don't um, understand. I want to walk through like maybe a trading platform. You can help me with that. Uh, let, let me just get back to the drink so we can actually get to the stock. Okay. So, but th all right. So this all started with Wall Street bets targeting targeting a company that they thought was undervalued that was being heavily shorted. And the share price went up at a rate that really hasn't ever been seen before. There's only a few examples in history of something similar. Volkswagen in 2008 is an example. Tilray in 2018 or 20, yeah, I feel like it was 2018 um, went up to like $300 from like went from $20 to $300 over the span of a week. But this one's really holding some momentum. And what's getting a lot of people's interest more than anything else is that the people that have been losing money on GameStop have been the Wall Street hedge funds that were shorting the stock. Because when you short a stock and the stock goes up, you have to rebuy those shares at some point. So yes. If you sold them for 100 and now they're trading for 200, well, now you have to buy them for 200, which means that you're losing 100 a share. So the people that have made money have been, for lack of a better term, the common people. And you're going to hear me say this term a lot during this cast. The, 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 the industry term is retail investors. 
So retail investors have been the ones that have been making the money on this. So people like you and I, not people who are part of a hedge fund. So right. really the end consumer. Let me hit this ring so we can actually talk and, and, and make some progress with this conversation. So let me uh, just tell you what I got here. I got equal parts, bourbon, Amaro Nino, Aperol, and fresh lemon juice. Uh, there's a name, James, you know the name for this type of shaker? It's definitely not my preferred type of shaker, but it was the only one I could dig out. Um, well, that's, I, I look at that as kind of like a three-piece shaker. Yeah, well, it's already leaking, so I'm not going to get really into shaking that. Uh, I got some ice here, and I'm going to drop the ice ball into the glass. Uh, do you know what this is yet? Without, um, I, I, have not, I have not read any comments. I've Googled it. But I found a drink that has these ingredients, but with gin instead of bourbon. Uh, okay. Oh, man, this shaker actually really blows. It's leaking all over the place. Uh, oh, now I know what it is. Man, so yeah. it's really, yep. Um, not a drink that I've ever made because um, I've never touched a Maro Nanino. Uh, it is actually really, uh, if you guys are watching right now, you can see what I'm doing. You may have an idea of what this, uh, what this drink is already. Yeah, so it's really similar to the last word, which is a really popular drink among cocktail bartenders. Although I don't really like it because it's got chartreuse, and chartreuse is terrible. All right, so I am on my way back to joining you. Let me use this little cup holder here, and I will. I'm going to use this camera right here to uh, zoom in on the drink a little bit. Let's see what we got. All right, you got the drink here. All right, here is my little touch on the top. You know what I'm drinking yet? I know what you're drinking. You know what I'm this is a paper plank cocktail. This is a credit card bill. So cheers to American Express. Um, cheers to you guys. Thank you for joining. I'm going to switch cameras back. We are going to start talking about the stock market and everything that's happening with AMC, GameStock, uh, BlackBerry, there's some crazy stuff going on. So, do we switch back yet? Fuck. Uh, hang tight, hang tight. Uh, anything? All right, here we go. Yeah. Your audio is a little weird now. All right. Well, I'm I'm right back at you with the audio catch up. Um, uh, Justin, your hair called from 2006 and wants its head back. Uh, <laughs> Who said that? Damien. Um. Cheers to that. Damien's a guy who can definitely uh, definitely enjoy some cocktails. Um, so we got Mary Gisenia that wants to be in the video. Mary, you uh, you tell me what you want to talk about. We'll see if James gives you the okay. Um, like, <laughs> all right. So so I don't see anybody that's guessed this drink actually. In, yeah. Uh, what are we, um, what are the what are some questions? Uh, not this. Not that we're going to answer them right this very second, but I want to get to them at some point during the uh, the cast. What are some questions for me to consider? Well, um, I I recognize the profile picture. I can't. But it just says username four eight eight, and then another dozen numbers. How about Apple? I think she's asking about Apple stock. Um, so we'll we'll get into maybe some particular stocks in a little bit. We're going to make some good stocks to buy right now and how to play the stock market. Um, before, we do need to kind of make the standard disclosure that neither of us are financial advisors. And so you shouldn't be taking any of this as actual investment advice because we're not licensed to do so. These are our own opinions. 
Um, and full disclosure as well, I have a small position in GameStop right now. Um, it's three shares at $300. So, and if we talk about any other stocks that I happen to hold positions on, I'll disclose them so that way no one can say that I'm trying to manipulate or at least I'm being transparent with what, with my, with what my holdings are. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, David Boswell, six minutes ago, guessed paper plane. He's on the uh, cast how, then. How, how, how did he pull that off? I have um, no idea. James' brother managed. James' brother managed to guess his drink. I don't know if there was any anything going on behind the behind the scenes, but um, but I'll give it to him. David Boswell is the winner on the drink. I'm drinking Paper Plane, one of the finest beverages. I made it very poorly on the sofa over here um, with supplies I pulled out of a cardboard box about 26 minutes ago. Uh, so you can make it at home. Uh, Mary Gisenia, tell me why you want to uh, want to be in a video. Maybe we'll bring you on. Just keep giving these requests. Uh, but I'd love to bring you guys on if you have some questions about stocks. What we're talking about is really how the stock market works. Um, there's a lot of, we'll get into this in a minute, but there's been a lot of pushback on Robinhood today. And I'm, I'm in that argument as well because I tried to use Robinhood for some of the stuff we're going to talk about, and I was unable to do so. Uh, and that's a pretty complex, pretty hot issue. So if you're looking for a stock trading platform, check out the YouTube podcast, check out the audio podcast in the notes. You will see a link to Webull. If you sign up for Webull, you get two free stocks. Uh, I've gotten a ton of free stocks through Webull, just getting other people to sign up. So you make more, you get more free stocks when your friends sign up as well. Uh, it's totally worth it. And Webull is a little more complex, the interface, than Robinhood. But uh, as of today, they haven't limited their users from buying GameStop. And I was hearing mixed reports about whether or not there was restrictions on buying certain certain tickers. Yeah, you, you, you couldn't do it. And I was hearing uh, mixed reports about that on Webull. Robinhood, 100%, you were locked out. Now, um, the, so the, the reason, the, there, there's two reasons for why Robinhood restricted the trading. Yeah. There's, there's the... There's the marketing reason, the official press release reason that they gave, and then... Which was the, what? Which was what? What was their press release? Their press release is that they don't... They, that they restricted buying and selling... Buying, not selling. Buying on certain options because they wanted to protect their users from market volatility and that they didn't want to have their users be at risk for suffering very large losses on these extremely volatile stocks but isn't volatility how people make money and isn't it's, that, it's one of the ways that you can make money isn't that how inherent you know risk is like well it, it, all stocks are going to have some inherent risk of volatility but yeah. there's a big difference between like i'll give you today let me let me see if i can pull up the intraday range damien makes a good point about how what robin hood did is a contradiction on the name Robinhood. Well, it is. Yeah. Um, all right. So. But the thing is, if you're going to go in and you're going to buy 500 shares of GameStop today, like, you know what's up. So if you're if you're you're not protecting, nobody's going to drop their life savings on a GameStop uh, stock if they don't already know what's up, because that's not how that's not how people trade. Uh, that's just. It's wild, but but uh, but definitely, guys. Uh, we got a good question from Cal. Uh, but definitely, guys, if you don't already, um, 
if you don't already trade stocks or have any apps, uh, check out the SIP Talk on YouTube and all of the episodes have the Weeble link in the bottom. Um, definitely worth it. Definitely worth right. Can we get to the content? Yes, go for it. All right. So the, the when you talk about volatility in stocks, yes, that's one of the ways that you can make money on stocks. But there's a difference between normal volatility and what we saw with GameStop today. Today, GameStop's trading range was $113 to $483 in a day. So there were huge swings back and forth. And that kind of volatility, if you don't know what you're doing, can absolutely wreck your portfolio. And if you're a new investor and you see the stock going up, like this morning when it was trading pre-market above 400 and you think it's going to continue to go up and you throw a ton of money into it, and then later on the day, when it's trading at 137, then you panic and say, I'm down 60-something percent, and you sell, and you just take all your losses because you panic. That's an easy way to lose money. So Robinhood's argument is that they're restricting buying on certain securities because of their inherent risk, which is way outside the norm for the way that the stock market works. Um, that's their argument. The counter argument as to what people think the real reason Robinhood was doing this is Robinhood's a free trading platform. They have to make money somehow. The main way in which they do so is by selling order flow. So when you place an order with Robinhood, whatever it is, buy this, sell this, that, that order goes into a queue. And before that order executes, it's part of an order flow that Robinhood sells access to that data to other institutions. So other institutions can see your orders before your order executes. Now, for someone like me, that, that data doesn't really have much value because I'm not going to be able to react fast enough to be able to front run large orders. But if you've got complex trading algorithms and computer programs that can trade on this data, then you can front row those, run those orders and make a lot of money on small, on small differences between where the market is and where the orders are, are expected to go. Sure, but that's, you're not doing that. There's not one person reviewing the data and making the trades. No, no, no. This is data that's going to be fed into some computer program that an institution has that's trading automatically. And it's, yeah, and so it's, it's the, an electronic these institutions, Yeah, these institutions will pay a lot of money to have that data. Um, and the, there's a brokerage that does a lot of the executions of trades in this country called Citadel. Now, Citadel also provides liquidity to other institutions. So we need to back up a second to understand what happened today. Um, a number of institutions that have been shorting, um, shorting GameStop have been heavily underwater on this trade because they borrowed shares at some low price of 20, 50, $100. They borrowed shares at that price and the stock price continued to go up. So now they're on the hook for the difference between whatever they borrowed the shares at and whatever the stock's trading at now. And a lot of that was used with either loaned money or not even loaned money, but just kind of covenants so so can we can we just back up a little bit because you're talking about shorting stocks you kind of explain what it is 
I want to because so, so look, so I, I I know nothing about stocks. Now I go in sometimes, I figure some things out, but like it's not something I'm well versed in. Um, just like if I told you, James, you needed to uh, change the rotors on a vehicle. Uh, I, I would know how to do that. Fuck. Well, uh, I've done it before yeah, with well, you in a parking lot. Um, but so, but if, if I told somebody they had to change, some people don't know how to change a tire. Uh, we all in their car. So it, you know, it may not be super complex, but I just want to talk about trading stocks real quick and how it's done. Because James is talking about shorting stocks, which I have no idea how to do. I kinda, like, let me finish this thought and then we can back up and, and go to the more basics. But I want to explain what happened today to, so that people can understand a little bit more about what's going on. Okay, so you have these institutions that have been shorting the stocks. And, and, they're, and they're deep underwater on these trades. And uh, and to the tunes of like billions of dollars, they're, they're at a loss right now. Now, what happens is if you short a stock and the market moves up and you're now underwater, at some point, you're going to have to buy those shares back. And that's what's called covering your short. And so some of these firms have had to cover their shorts. And one of these firms, the one that's been getting the most news, is a firm called Melvin Capital that had a huge short position on GameStop. And Citadel, the company that kind of backs the order flow for Robinhood, loaned Melvin Capital about $3 billion sometime in the last week. So Citadel has a financial interest in the short sellers not getting completely hosed. So the theory that I've been seeing, which I think I I can't see, you're not going to be able to find direct support because they would never tell us. But the theory is that Citadel went to Robinhood because Citadel runs Robinhood effectively and said, look, you need to restrict buying on, on GameStop and these other stocks because we've loaned a whole bunch of money to people that are losing their shirts on these tickers. And if you restrict the buying, then the price will go down and the people who owe us money will lose less money giving us a better chance to get repaid. Because if you restrict buying, then there's only one action that a lot of people in the market can take, which is sell. And when sales happen, the price goes down. So the the theory that I've been seeing is that this was basically an institutional attempt to kneecap retail investors from being able to maintain a given price on the stock. Um, There was tremendous backlash on this. And what's amazing to me is that The backlash came from literally every side of the political spectrum. AOC and Ted Cruz were on the same side here. Don Jr. is on the same side as AOC. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to find a single issue where that's going to ever happen. But this is one of those ones where people, people that are just observing, even if they didn't have positions, see that Wall Street made a greedy bet. They got caught with their pants down. And they've finally been punished for it. And a lot of people are taking great joy in this, even if they're not directly profiting off of it. And they saw what happened today as the institutions changing the rules of the game in the middle of the game so that they wouldn't get blown out. And yeah, a lot of people, yeah, it's, it's such a remarkable event that you decided to dress up like Gordon Gecko. Yeah. Which I commend you for. Nice outfit. I don't um, have any, uh, everything that's yeah. been happening this week has had a severe effect on my productivity at work. 
<laughs> not mine. I'm, I've been trying to get the 1099s out before uh, yeah. before the end of this month. All right, so I, you want to back I, up. I, if you want to back I, up, I want to back, in, back up into the into the basics um, because I, you know I don't have a lot of time to like. I'm literally I'm literally just taking these my glasses shoes. are killing me. By the way. Yeah, I don't know why you're wearing. I, I, because uh, my brother recommended I did because he thought it would be funny. Yeah, no, if they were regular style glasses, but they look like an Oakley, like a sporty reading glass. Yeah, I don't know. If no and one reads. People read for pleasure. No one reads for sport. Yeah, no, and they're <laughs> and they're prescription glasses, so they're like totally screwing up my vision too. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. Um, but like I, I, what I'm saying though, I don't have a lot of. I'm I'm busy at work. I, I right before we jumped on uh, Sip Talk, I had another Zoom call, literally back to back to back. I had a 20 minute period in between where I literally shoveled ground beef via uh, let, lettuce into my mouth and dripped grease all over the place. And then I'm in here. So, like, I'm, I don't, I'm sitting here with one chew on, one chew off. I don't have a lot of extra time where I can sit in front of an app for an hour or even 40 minutes and figure things out. And, and sure, I could, you know, I could, I could throw, an hour into something a day, but there'd be so many interruptions. Try reading a book where you take three phone calls each page that you read and tell me that you retain any information yeah. on the page. So I, I have a lot of difficulty, in especially because I'm using my phone. My phone goes off left, right, and center when I'm, I'm trying to do anything. So I have a lot of difficulty getting deep into the stock market. I've recently figured out how to buy stocks. However, every time I want to buy a stock, it's usually an impromptu thing, kind of like this. And then I have to wire transfer money into a brokerage account like Robinhood or, or Webull or something like that. And that takes a day or two. I, I dropped uh, 2,500 bucks just to see if I could make a few hundred bucks into Robinhood. It hasn't even cleared yet. So, so if you, if you have the Robinhood gold, then you'll get instant deposits. So like, yeah, I think well, it was two Monday or Tuesday is when I dropped another 2,500 into my account to, to chase a couple things. Hmm. And I was able to get that buying power immediately and I was able to make the trade within about 10 minutes. Sure. So, right now, right now I got an email from Robinhood saying they're limiting buying for tomorrow. And I think that is, I think that is why the fact yeah. that they're going to limit buying for the month. So, all right, but let's, let's talk about the basics because like we're, we're kind of all over the place right now. And this is something that like, I understand you just need to give me direction, but like bouncing about different topics, isn't going to help anybody. So how do you buy and sell stock? So how do you buy stock? You have to have a brokerage account, right? Yeah, uh, it's pretty hard to buy stock without a brokerage account. Okay, so you need, in, in 2020, 2021, you need an app like Robinhood or Webull. Um, but you can also do like Bank of America through Merrill. There's Fidelity, there's TD Ameritrade, there's interactive brokers, but I can't recommend them right now because of so, their recent behavior. Okay, but but if if you're under forty five years old, Robinhood uh, or Weeble is probably where you're going. Robinhood or Weeble is where you're going. If if you're over forty five and you happen to have a Merrill Lynch account or some, I've got a, I've got a Merrill Lynch account and I'm thinking about opening a Fidelity account. You also have a shirt with a white collar and, and that's blue. How how many people under forty five have that? And I'm, I, I really should say like 27, but then I'm like, fuck, we're kind of old too. So I'm giving, I'm giving uh, the benefit of the doubt to the people that have like a decade on us. But my point is not a lot of people have a shirt like that. Not a lot of people probably have a Merrill Lynch account. 
Well, uh, so if you want to buy a stock, it's really simple. You you've got a bro- you you open up a brokerage account, um, and most of these sites make it pretty easy to do so. You'll have to fill out some personal information, and then once that's all there, you, you just need to transfer funds from a bank account to the brokerage account. Which that's again, the- you just follow the directions. It's not hard. Hold up, though, but that's that's the first part, and that takes some time. So you have to have your funds on the platform. You can't trade from the money in your checking account. The money has to transfer onto the platform. So if you guys are thinking about, if you guys are thinking about trading stocks and downloading an app to do so, you gotta download the app and then you have to initiate a funds transfer into that app. And that's what kind of fucks me every time because I always get kind of it, Yeah, it. but it depends because um, like if you use something like Fidelity, then you can have instant fund transfer. If you use Merrill Lynch, if you have a Bank of America account and you use Merrill Lynch, you can instantly transfer money between your Bank of America account and Merrill Lynch. So depending on what kind of app you have, you should be able to do a funds transfer in five to 10 minutes, or it might take a day or two. It all depends on what one you're choosing. Okay, so you get your funds onto the platform. So you fund your account and then you go and you buy stocks. Now. I didn't realize that you have to buy full stocks. I thought you could buy a lot of a lot of brokerages allow fractional shares now. Yes, but uh, but that's that's a newer thing. I always thought you could just I could throw a thousand dollars at a GE stock or five hundred dollars at an Apple stock, but I found out that I couldn't do that. So that was a bit frustrating because I wanted to I wanted to invest a thousand dollars, but the stock was five hundred and eleven dollars, so I could only buy one stock. And then I yeah. was left with 489 bucks. I could do nothing with except buy other stocks that I knew nothing about. Well, we're going to come back to um, ways to diversify investing when you have limited capital. Um, we can talk about ETFs at some point because they're really popular. But um, I think it's important to understand a couple basic buy orders. What is ETF, not EFT? Exchange traded fund. Oh, okay. So I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and explain how an ETF works right now. So an ETF is going to is, is basically a collection of stocks that trade under a ticker and will have a price. And so the way it works is if I wanted to start an ETF right now, give me a billion dollars, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy shares of a whole bunch of different companies. And let's say I have, I don't know, 10% Microsoft, 20% Apple, 30% Facebook and 40% Tesla, right? So now I'm going to buy enough shares to represent 10%, 20, 30, 40, right? And so then what I'm going to do is that billion dollars of capital that I just invested, I'm going to cut that up into really small pieces and I'm going to then sell that as shares in my fund. So let's say I sell 100 million shares of the billion dollars that I just invested for $10 a piece. So now that, that exchange-traded fund will track those four stocks, and they're proportionally weighted, but it'll track and it'll move up and down based on what those four stocks are doing. And you can buy in and get expo- exposure to those four stocks for 10 bucks instead of whatever the share prices of all those are combined, which would probably be close to two grand if you wanted to buy one share of each. And... And then what? And yeah, you can basically get in and get out of a basket of stocks with without having to buy each one of those stocks individually. Yeah, and if thirty percent is IBM, but IBM has a shit week or quarter, and IBM tanks, 
you're you know you're only thirty you're only you're not down if you only own IBM you'd be down whatever amount but now only thirty percent is better right thirty percent is so there's and, a lot what's of the, what's the difference between that and a hedge fund because now because now so I'm a hedge fund is very similar. Um, if I think you're thinking more of like a mutual fund, so a mutual fund is very similar, where you're basically giving money to a mutual fund, and they'll have different classes of mutual funds, and they'll all be actively managed by an investment guy who looks at the, the mutual fund every single day and decides whether he wants to buy or sell certain stocks. And you're basically just getting a proportion. If you bought if you bought a thousand dollars worth of a mutual fund, then you've got a thousand dollars of exposure to whatever the investment guy is doing with that mutual fund. So mutual funds and ETFs function in very similar ways. Um, the difference is that mutual funds really only settle in terms of their price at the end of the day once a day, whereas exchange traded funds are constantly trading, um, and a lot of them are like. The, the most popular stock uh, ETF right now is SPY, which is basically just a weighted ETF that tracks the S&P 500. So they're constantly just rebalancing the portfolio so that it almost exactly matches what the S&P does. And, That's and the, the advantage of an ETF is that generally, if you're buying into a mutual fund, there's management fees that you're paying to the investment guy who's running it. And the same applies to ETFs, but the 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 um, investment fees are a lot lower. So you might have like 0.1% expense ratio on an ETF, whereas you might have like a, a one and a half to two percent expense ratio on a mutual fund. And why is this? Um, because the mutual funds being actively traded, where there's somebody you have to pay somebody to be managing this fund and saying. I don't like this stock. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy this stock instead. And constantly making those investment decisions, that person needs to be paid for those decisions. Whereas with an ETF, all they're doing is trying to make the ETF match whatever it was supposed to do. So like to make an ETF match the S&P, once you get the asset balance right at the beginning, there's not really much to do. All you have to do is like if, if a stock gets delisted from the S&P or a new stock gets added, you might have to like once a month rebalance it. Yeah. But outside of that, it's kind of a set and forget. And there's a lot of ETFs that are like that. And you can find ETFs that track all sorts of indexes. You can find an ETF, ETF that tracks the retail sector. It, you can find one that tracks oil and gas, finance, tech, mm. marijuana, Bitcoin, uh, not Bitcoin, but like cryptocurrency stocks. There's ETFs that are designed to kind of look at a specific sector of the industry specifically. So if you want to say, I really like what pot stocks are doing right now, and you're not really sure which marijuana stock in particular you want to pick, you could just go with the marijuana ETF that's going to have exposure to maybe like 30 or 40 of them. What you're saying is you think weed is going somewhere, but you don't know which marijuana company to get behind, but you know that the industry in general is going. So you, you can invest in the ETF. James, check the chat that I just sent you right now because we got some comments um that definitely would be would be solid for you to address and again guys if you are watching us live whether it's tiktok linkedin facebook uh let me know if you have questions okay about, about so question stock. about penny stocks well, hold up let, let me know if you have questions about stocks i will relay them james is at this moment the guru dressed as gordon gecko so um let me know in the comments what you guys have questions about and uh, I will relay them to James, who can answer them way better than I can. 
I'm going to make another drink with James. All right. So I'm going to answer the second one first, the legality of blocking, buying, and selling. And that's very much an open question right now because okay. the, the SEC has a ton of regulations about what you can and can't do and what the definition of market manipulation is. And so the one thing that's very clear is that if you take actions to try and affect the trading volume of a stock, that's market manipulation. So there's an argument to be made that by restricting buying and selling, uh, specifically buying of, of these, these particular stocks today, and that would be GameStop, BlackBerry, um, Bed Bath & Beyond, Nokia, What's Naked. Oh, sorry. We'll talk, I'll ask you about what that means. Um, but by, by preventing people on a platform from being able to buy, that, that could be argued as market manipulation by, by means of restricting volume on a stock. Um, so if you're a broker-dealer, which Robinhood is, which Fidelity, Merrill, all of these people are, then they've got SEC regulations that dictate what they can and can't do with their traders. And so... This could be really bad for Robinhood. It, 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 it very much could. And I think part of why they've reversed their decisions so quickly is... They're still limiting. They're still limiting. Mm, yeah, but they can make... It's a, a lot easier to make an argument that... like. If their limits are going to be that you can only buy GameStop with a cash account versus trading on margin. So let me explain what margin is. Margin is going to be when you're using borrowed money, where let's say I've got $10,000 in my, in my brokerage account and I've got 4,000 of margin. That means that I can buy $14,000 worth of stocks, but I only have $10,000 of my own money in it. So I'm borrowing $4,000 from the brokerage to be able to trade these stocks. Sure, but now, my question is, how can I do that? I don't how can, think that seem like an option. How can you what? Trade on margin. How do um, I, you, need to open it, you need to apply for a margin account with, with your broker, and if you get approved, then you get margin. So I can do that through Robinhood? Yeah, you can get... Uh, I, I trade on margin through Robinhood. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I generally use most of my margin at all times. Now, if you... If you're trading on margin, then they what they could say is that we will not allow you to use margin to buy any of these particular stuff. Because that's their because that's their money. Exactly. That would be and I, I'm I'm not licensed, I don't have my series seven, but I'm pretty sure that that would be well within their rights to say we're going to restrict margin on these particular stocks because they're higher risk. And you see this all the time where depending on what you buy your margin requirement, your margin withheld could be 25%, could be 100%. For some of these um, stocks, the margin requirement was 300%. So it could be that they restrict it there and you can buy with a cash account. Um, and they might be able to limit and say, you can only expose your portfolio up to a certain percentage. So if I've got 10,000, they might say, we won't let your portfolio become more than 25% in this particular stock. So they say you can only own up to $2,500 of cost basis on, on GameStop. I think that would probably be inbounds. But just having a blanket buying restriction to me seems like that is 
that's probably going to get them in trouble, and that's why they had to reverse so quickly, especially once it got a lot of attention. And, yeah, and it, it, it certainly did. That's the Dave Portnoy thing, uh, who has a, a huge cast. He's got a huge following. That's a that's a Barstool Sports, right? Founder of Bar, president of Barstool Sports. I don't know if he's a founder now. Um, but, but yeah, you know, you got that, the head guy at Barstool Sports, which, um, yeah, he's bringing that to people's attention. He's a big stock guy. He just kind of got into it. My understanding is yeah. he got into it beginning of coronavirus just to play around. He's like, holy shit, this is kind of easy. I'm mm-hmm. making money. And, and, uh, and he was. So, um, so, I, um, so yeah, the, the reason why there's limits to buying and selling is because if you're trading on margin, then you're risking somebody else's money, and then that other person gets to have some say as to how you use their borrowed money. That seems completely reasonable to me, and it's extremely common practice that there's going to be margin limits based on the risk of the underlying asset. So if you're buying something like municipal bonds that barely move, your margin requirement is going to be super low. If you're buying something like GameStop, they might say, we won't let you use margin on it. Um, Same thing goes for options. Um, So... Another one of the questions, why is there a middleman? Why do I have to go through a broker? Why can't I buy these stocks directly? Well, yeah, I mean, that, I, I threw that question out there. but what So the, the answer is in, in much the same way that we have, like, I guess credit card companies would be an example, where it's really inefficient for me to have to go out and find somebody who's willing to sell at a given price. It, like, if, imagine if there was no middleman and I had my three shares of GameStop at 300 and let's say I wanted to sell them at 350 I'm going to need to go out and I'm either going to need to post somewhere saying I've got these three shares of GameStop at 350 and I'm going to have to wait for responses to come in and then initiate a transfer between me and that person directly and yeah. make yeah. the sale go through. It would they're going like, to give you three hundred times the number of shares that you have. Right, yeah. We, we negotiate at the price. If I, I say, here's three shares at 350 and they say, okay, I'll buy them at 350 it would be like eBay, where like every sing- like you'd have to post every single one of your shares or whatever on eBay and wait for someone to execute it or whatever. I, so it's I, an I, efficiency I, I, thing. I got two good questions. Uh, yeah, it would be like eBay, where you're selling yourself. Um, Elle says, I'm having, I'm finding I haven't been able to sell. Is that is that a thing? You can't sell your stocks? If you can't sell your stock, that means that you probably have a limit price that's too high. Oh, so it's something that you set within the app. Probably. So let's talk about different order types. Okay. So the most common are going to be market, which is you basically say, I will take... So right, let's talk about bid ask. So if you any stock is going to have what's called bid and ask. Bid is how much somebody is willing to pay for a stock. Ask is how much someone is willing to sell for a stock. So if you look at GameStop or whatever, we'll just keep, we'll, we'll stick with this. Let's say that the stock price right now is at 300 and there's a bid at 299 and an ask at 301. Right now, so that's a $2 spread. And that means that someone's going to have to move in order for a sale to happen. So the bids have to come up and someone says, all right, I'll bid 301. And so the bid, when, when a bid matches an ask, that's when a sale takes price, place. And that's what sets, and, that, and then the new price is whatever the most recent bid ask transaction was. So there's always going to be a difference between bid and ask. 
And when the bid or the ask moves enough that they converge, a sale happens and you have a new bid ask thread. And okay. this happens millions of times a second. Yeah, millions of times. Okay, so I log into Weeble and I want to buy, what is the GameStop stock right now? Um, after hours, it is at 311. Okay, so it's, it's 311 bucks. So I see 311. I'm like, okay, I want to buy two shares. It's 311. How does that work? So here's what you can do. Here's the um, so you can put in a market buy, which basically says I'm going to let the brokerage find whatever the best ask is at this very second, and I'll pay that. So it basically just says my bid will be whatever the ask is, right? So let's say that it's at 311. Going to give me 311? No, let's say that it's at 311 right now, and you put in a market buy. Well. Let me pause you. Because there's so many transactions happening so rapidly, it's probably going to give me 311. Yeah, but I, I want to, like, let's break this down for simplicity. Yeah. Let's say that it's trading at 311, the bid is at 310, and the ask is at 315. If you put in a market buy, then your bid becomes 315. Because you're putting in a market buy. You're saying, I will pay what the market... Whatever the market is going to be, I'm like, if I'm a bid, the market is the ask. If I'm an ask, the market is the bid. Now, is, so the put in a market, ever, is the spread ever that large? It can be. But for a split second. Mm, not always. If you've, got um, if you've got stocks that trade on low volume, you can see large bid ask spreads. Um, like, same thing with options. You can see really big bid ask spreads and options that have low volume. But again, just let's, let's keep this simple. So that way we can get the conceptual understanding. A market buy or a market sell is going to be, I agree to whatever the bid or the ask is, and I will pay that. So if it's at 311 right now, but the nearest ask is at 315, you're paying 315 a share. Okay. What so, are the other ways to buy stocks? So the other, the other common order type is going to be limit or a stop limit. So if a limit sell, uh, I'm sorry, a limit buy, let's say, let's say it's at 311 and you're willing to buy, but you want to pay 315. So you look at it and you say, it's at 311 right now. I'll buy at 311. So you place a limit buy at 311. So now there's a bid of 311 out there. So you're basically placing a hard bid and you will never pay more than 311 per share for that because that's your bid. That's your, that's your limit. You're willing to pay anything up to 311, but you're not paying any. Not, you're not playing 311.01. So that's kind of setting a hard bid. And you can also do the same thing for a limit sell, where oh, you can okay. say, you can have a limit sell where you say it's at 315 right now. My limit sells at 317. So you won't sell for below 317. But let me let me bring this in a bit more realistic. Say I have 500 dollars in my brokerage account. So I funded the account 500 bucks. Okay. And I see that GameStop is trading at 300 bucks. So I place a market bid and, um, and I'm going to buy one stock at 300 bucks. Okay. I may see my brokerage account debited 302. Yep. Okay. Now if I place a, what would you call it? Limit buy. A limit buy at 300. I said I'd like to buy one stock at 300, limit 300. I won't see my my funds impacted by more than $300. Correct. 
Okay. I don't think I've ever paid attention to that. I've just said I want 12, 12 shares. I want so you've probably always done market buys. Um, yeah, well, so like, for example, yeah, what I... The other stuff is really complicated. I don't want to play with that stuff. Well, so like when I... I uh, you just I have to require patience. I don't usually know what I'm doing. I, somebody tells yes. me you should do this, so I just do it. I'm like, ah, all right. I'll make it better working. I think uh, the people already know this. Clearly. Clearly. My, so like, I, when, I, when I made my entry on GameStop, I made it as a limit buy at 300. So my basis is 300 on the nose because at some point the stock drops slightly below 300. And my limit buy triggered and someone says, I'll take 300 for that. And it sold. And now I have three shares at 300. Yeah. The, and it fluctuates very quickly. Oh yeah. Um, so that's. So would you say it's smarter to do a limit buy? If you're patient. How patient? Like 10 minutes, an hour? A week? It all depends. So if you do a limit buy, if the stock has momentum forward and GameStop's trading at 310. Well, and, you're, you're buying, you assume it has momentum forward. Right. But let's just say that it's at 310 right now. And mm -hmm. you say, all right, cool. I wanted, I went in at 310. And you put in a limit buy for 311. And in the time that it took you to make the entry and type it all in, hit enter, and confirm the trade, now GameStop's at 312. Well, now your limit buy is not going to trigger because no one's going to take 311 for something that's selling for 312. Yeah. So if you place the limit for 311, then you have to wait for the stock to come back down to your limit price if you want to buy. So yeah. it could be, it could trigger in two seconds. It could trigger in five minutes. It could trigger never. Mm. So limit buys are for when you are comfortable at a price and you're comfortable waiting to get that price. Market buys are, I want to be in right now, and I don't care if I have some loss be, uh, from, from where it's trading at this very second to when the trade executes. So There's another saying, one. So what you're saying is if you're trying to make money during the stock market, what, you know, with the stock market, what you should really do is just avoid it and go get a second job. If you, if you, I would say that if you want to trade, you should really be using limit orders for your buys. And also use limit orders for yourselves because you're going to get the price that you want, not the price that's assigned to you. Um, there's one other type of trade that's really commonly used on the sell side, and that's called the stop loss order. So let's say GameStop's trading at 300, and I say, okay, I'm willing to, I don't want to lose too much here. So if it ever drops below $200, sell. So I can place a stop loss order at 200. So as long as GameStop trades above 200, I'm not selling. As soon as it drops below 200, the, uh, the order will trigger and I will do a market sell. And you can also, you can do stop limit orders on the buy side too, where you say, I won't buy until it crosses $300. And then as soon as it does, it'll trigger a, a market order to buy. You know what? I, I never understood any of this before. And I, I definitely 110% think I'm just going to, uh, hit that limit limit buys and sells next. Like that totally yeah. makes that more sense to me. Yeah, because um, you're setting your you're setting your bid or your ask versus letting somebody else set it for you. So could I set a limit sell right now at like four twenty for uh, GameStop? Yeah, if you've got shares of GameStop and you and you say, you know what, I'm in at three hundred. If it gets to four twenty, I'm pretty happy. So you can set a limit sell, and you can also set the expiration. Most commonly, it'll be good for day or good 
good on um, for 90 days. So I could have my, if I wanted to, I could set up a limit sell tomorrow morning as soon as trading opens and set a limit sell for some number that's way out there. Yeah, that's, that's a, that, I, I did not know that. I'm actually happy to learn that. Um, so we have an old friend of mine, Damien, that wants to join the, the feed. Damien, if you're listening to me still, because uh, he's requested a few times, he's been supplying a lot of the questions here. Um, uh, Damien, my email is my name at Gmail. So uh, you probably have it already. Uh, but right. he, he's got some questions. He wants to add a little bit about the stocks. Yeah. Um, so what else are we missing about kind of how stocks work? Well, we've talked about bid-ask spreads. We talked about why you have to go through a broker because a broker has all of these things already and they can just kind of ex make the exchange happen within their, their own system. And it, it just makes the, the stock trading happen much more efficiently because otherwise you'd have millions of people all trying in, in some commotion trying to buy and sell together. It would be like in the early 1900s on the trading floor of Wall Street, where you, where you had the people holding up the papers saying 100 shares of mobile, 100 shares of United Steel or whatever, and somebody else would hear them and say, I'll do it. Like That worked back like then. That. It's not still like that? It, um, on, Wall, on the Wall Street floor, um, most of what happens there is going to be more exotic trades that aren't easily facilitated by a broker. But are there still people holding up paper? Yes, Damien, that's my email. Are there still people holding up paper shares or something along those lines? Um, yeah, there's some people. If you if you have like you, there's some people that still have stock certificates for certain companies or whatever that were inherited from a long time ago. Um, but in and terms they of don't sell the physical paper on the on the floor? No, 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 no. Oh. Um, but yeah, the. The Wall Street trading floor now is very different from the way it was. Um, and I don't understand a ton about what actually happens in the New York Stock Exchange with the actual people physically on the floor. But my understanding is that they're doing much more exotic kind of trades that are not easily executed through a brokerage because there's complexities involved. It's not just going to be simple buy-sells. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, 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 I'm not a big stock guy. So, like, we could talk about gambling all day long. Well, this is gambling. It is gambling. Yeah. But maybe it's because it's in the same vein. It, to me, is, is like such a tune out. I, I definitely, I definitely have learned the limit buying and selling. I think, I think that is like the best we're moving for. I literally knew nothing about it beforehand. Um, so, I think that's cool. What are some of the other questions that we need to answer? Uh, well, Damien wants to jump in. He's he's on fire right now. I'm gonna well, let's get him to, in. I'm going to try to get him the link for the Zoom so we can all be on. All right. Uh, so while we're waiting for him to join in, um, so we've talked about stocks. We talked about bid ass. We talked about limit order, like your basic types of orders. Um, now, there's also options. And well, I don't even understand what that is. I can explain options pretty easily. Okay. So options are exactly that. They're the option to buy or sell a share at a given price on or before a certain date. So we'll stick with GameStop. GameStop's trading at 300 right now. I could buy a contract that says I can 
buy GameStop for three hundred dollars. Uh, well, let's see. I can buy GameStop for three hundred and fifty dollars next Friday. So two five. So on two five, I have the option to buy GameStop for three hundred and fifty dollars. That's what's called a call. So I have the option to buy GameStop for three fifty on two five. I've got a three fifty call. So if GameStop goes above three fifty, GameStop goes to four hundred. My call at three fifty. I have the option to buy it at 350, even if it's trading at 400. It goes to 500. I can still buy for 350. It so, who would who would who would give the option to buy um, GameStop at 350? So, if someone doesn't think that GameStop's going to reach 350, then they'd be happy to sell that option because the option's going to have there's going to be premium paid on the option. So, that 350 call option on GameStop might cost a couple thousand dollars. I might have to pay a lot of, and uh, options are always in blocks of 100 shares. So one option represents 100 shares. Options are always in 100 shares. That's wild, okay. So, so it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be $350 then. It would be, well, yeah. $35,000. Right, so I'd have the option to buy 100 shares of GameStop at $350 a share <laughs> on or before next Friday. Now, why would anybody be willing to sell me that option? The reason they would be willing to sell it is they don't think that GameStop is going to get to 350 or the premium that I'm paying on this contract. So the GameStop 25 um, 350 call expiration, just to put some real numbers to it, and these numbers are slightly outdated. Actually, they, I, don't, I can't even get them to populate. Wait, there we are. So the 350 call option on GameStop right now is going to cost you $56,000. And that's that's an outdated number. It's it's probably higher now, but in so one week, you look it up as of you looking it up just now. No, the, the reason the, the problem is that GameStop has moved after hours, and these option prices are only at market close. So what the difference? It's like if we were looking at this live, I could tell you. But right now, we'll just go with fifty-six thousand dollars. You would have to pay fifty-six thousand dollars for the rights to buy GameStop at or at three fifty on or before next Friday. So somebody is going to get $56,000 from me right now. And if GameStop closes below 350, they keep all $56,000. I oh, get so you're nothing. Buy, you're, buying it, you're buying it as of a date? Yeah, so options have expiration dates. Uh, and then you have to buy it at that price. If, if, if I'm selling a call to you, then I'm giving you the option to buy the shares from me at a price. So I, I'm saying you can buy GameStop from me for 350 bucks. So if GameStop goes down to 300, then your option to buy from me at 350 is worthless because you can just buy in the market for 300. Yeah. But if GameStop goes up to 400, you can buy from me for 350. So you're going to take that deal because okay. what it's if, cheaper. Say, what if it's at, so, so say what if it's still okay. Um, and so what if you buy it at, at 350 when it's at 400, then I, I now have something that's worth 400 bucks that I paid 350 for. Okay. What about the person that sold it to you? They are out. They, they have well, shares. Give somebody the option to do that. Because you got $56,000 up front for taking on the risk. 
Oh, so they gave it to you. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna bring Dam- I'm gonna bring Damien on. Uh, Damien is a little wild, so let's see how this goes. I have not I have not seen Damien face to face in many years, so it, it, this will be Damien. And I well, I'm gonna bring him on. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a little info once he's here. Let's see how this goes on the on the online segment. Oh, what's up, Damien? You can hear us. I can hear you. What's going on, bud? Hello, hello, hello. Um, so we got to give you a quick intro. Um, and I've known Damien since when? 2012? 2012, yeah. February 15th when I started uh, working with you. It was you, uh, Andrew Stoner, uh, and me, right? That was a... And Brian Murphy. God forgive him. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, yeah. Um, so Damien and I started working as real estate agents together beginning of 2012, uh, that's when Amy and Damien kind of um, onboarded, and he's had a very successful career. Uh, Damien, one of the most successful real estate agents I've known, uh, just a fury of, uh, of real estate deals, left, right, and center. Probably, I call Damien, given that he is very sociable, but I still call him the rain man of real estate. You know, rain, in rain man, when the waitress drops the, the toothpicks on the ground, and he's like 84, 84, 84, uh, 256. And she's like, no, I'm sorry, honey. This is 250 or this is a 300 pack. And then he's like, no, but there's 18 on the floor. Or I don't know. The guy did math in his head in a split second. Damien knows New York City real estate. Like it's just in his blood flow. Damien knows New York City real estate. Um, like the back of his hand, he's very much in tune with it. Last year or so, maybe the year before, 2019, I left uh, New York City Real Estate back in uh, 2018, September. I think you guys came, like you and JB maybe came to my uh, going away party. Uh, you were a little ripped up at that point, right? On that party? Uh, when you came, probably, yeah. yeah. It was a uh, goodwill, farewell. <laughs> Damien was ripped. He doesn't, he doesn't remember anything. Uh, well, what do you, but, I want to know what Damien's questions uh, about stocks are, what his commentary is. Well, I want to, I want to make sure he gets, he gets a solid. Yeah, but um, so uh, James, question. James, right? Yeah. So James, like I love the bow tie, the whole Peter Herman thing, you know. Yeah, I, I, I had to do it for tonight since we're talking. Yeah, I was giving, I was giving him Gordon Gecko, not Peter Herman, but uh, all right. But Justin now, knows me. Like Justin knows that, like I'm a guy like makes jokes. You know, I worked with a lot of people he worked with, and he still works with um, John Bryan, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the guys. Like, so, but, you know, so, but I worked with a different company that he did after he made his own company, and they're both successful. You know, I'm not bad mouthing anybody, like, everybody has their own ways, but like, <laughs> think about like stocks, like, this way. Like, so let's let's get into stocks. Like, what are the best stocks you think are to like the next short stocks that people are going to go after? So, kind of I would recommend if you want to look at a screener for for shorted um for shorted stocks, there shortsqueeze.com is a good screener which you can find um a whole bunch of stocks that have high short ratios. Um, you can also use I like wallmine.com where you can do a stock screener that will give you um, stocks that have higher than a 20% short interest in them. So, so just to back up, there are websites that you can go to 
to see which stocks people are shorting. So they're basically planning on stocks to drop. And right now we have this kind of, what would you call it that's going on? Uh, like this social media culture that's kind of pushing forward, uh, like momentary, like zeitgeist thing. What would you call that? Well, what we're seeing right now is that when, um, so GameStop has above a 100% short interest, which means that of the shares that are traded in the market right now, more shares are being traded short than shares are publicly available to trade. Um, and what that means is that some institutions have done what's called naked, naked shorting, where they haven't even borrowed the shares. They've just sold effectively their interest in shorting. And they said, we'll cover the short at some point in the future. We're good for it. Trust us. Um, and that's what's driven up the short interest to above 100%. And so what Wall Street Bets realized was with this high short interest, if they were to create enough buy action on the stock, then they could, they as retail investors would be able to increase the stock's price. And when this happens, when you increase the stock's price, the shorts are going to eventually have to cover because they're getting farther and farther underwater. And at some point, the people that they borrowed shares from are going to want those shares back and are going to call their shares, call their shares back. And they're going to have to be buying these shares. If I, if, I, if I let you borrow my shares at 80 a share and GameStop's now at 200, you're going to have to buy that share at 200 to give back to me and you only sold it for 80. And so what Wall Street Bets realized was if we pump up this stock enough, then it's going to cause the shorts to have to cover. They're going to have to buy at whatever market price it is right now, assuming that it's higher than when they initiated their short position. And when that happens, it creates another round of buying because all the shorts have to buy shares. Another round of buying drives the stock price up. Stock price goes up, more shorts have to cover. More shorts have to cover at a higher price. James, now, let me ask you this. So as people have known and found out ways to short stock people, do you think that a lot of the stocks are now going to be short stocked and screw the hedge funders or so, the plain middleman like me, you, and Justin like that want to make money? So you think GameStop and, and, and now it's AMC and I heard some rumors about BlackBerry. Um, do you think this is something that's going to go away or do you think people are... So I, I want to answer that in, in just my thinking because I don't know. James probably knows better than I do. But there's money being made and money being lost. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, so basically what's happening right now, GameStop is a company that's going out of business. At some point in the future, unless they radically restructure their business, they, they are a company that has a lot of financial problems. Fundamentally, the company is not good. But so, the reason so, why the stock price is high right now is not because people think that the company is going to all of a sudden turn it around and start making gobs of money. The reason why the stock price is high right now is this is a technical event trading on, trading on momentum. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you think that it's going to happen to a lot of other funds? So I think you're going to see a couple changes here. The first is that institutions are going to have revised policies on how they initiate short positions 
and when they have to close short positions. And the amount of leverage that they have on short positions is probably going to be revised, be it internally or by SEC regulation in terms of what what an allowable short percentage is. Um, and as to whether or not we're going to see this kind of kind of retail investor attack on short positions, I think that this is a strategy that we're going to see again but I don't think that we're going to see the same kind of success as we have here. Um, this is this is a unique event where there's a relatively low float, and float means like the amount of shares that are kind of publicly available to be traded. So there's a relatively low float, and there's an extremely high short interest. Now I don't have the statistics, but yeah, but this came this from Reddit. This came from Reddit. I've only been I've only been on Reddit maybe four times in my life, like maybe maybe five. So Reddit has some serious pull, and it's not a super popular thing. Well, so I've been a member of Wall Street Bets for the better part of three years, and it's a community that, um, from the outside looking in, is difficult to understand because there's a lot of self-deprecation. There's a lot of profanity. And there's a lot of insults being traded. But at its core, you've got some people that really know what they're doing and some people that are degenerate gamblers and some people that just want to do things to be funny. And what they all figured out together was if they combined, they had a tremendous amount of resources. And at one point, and this was a while ago, and I can only imagine this number has been higher, but at one point, Wall Street bets accounted for somewhere between 5 and 10% of the entire ownership of GameStop stock. That's a pretty significant portion. And so, yeah, it's on Reddit and we can laugh about it, but there's a lot of money in Wall Street bets that's been thrown around. And all it took was initially a relatively, and by relatively, I'm talking about compared to the events of last week, relatively small move in the stock's price to start initiating this feedback loop where stock goes up, shorts are underwater, they have to cover. Buy action causes stock to go up more, more shorts go underwater, they have to cover. And the, the question is, at what point does this stop? And it stops when really two things happen. The first is that the people who have been going long on GameStop what, what do you mean by long? You mean so six. if you go long, that just means that you bought shares, you own shares. Going long means that you own shares. Going short means that you borrowed shares to sell and that you're going to buy back eventually. So, so the people that are long GameStop right now, at some point, if the, the stock price keeps climbing, everyone's going to have a point at which they say, I'm happy with the money that I made. I'm going to sell at this new price. So at some point, GameStop is going to reach a price point that all the retail investors are going to say, I'm happy with my gains. I'm going to sell. And you also, so that's, that's one thing that needs to happen is that when, retail when investors need happen? to be willing to sell. When is that going to happen? Because I feel like it's going to happen Monday or Tuesday. So that's, that's the billion dollar question. When does it happen? Yeah. Can I ask one question? What like makes like every investor not want to attack the stock market and go, listen, I'm going to attack every short stock to ruin the stock market 
It's not ruining the stock market. It's not ruining the stock market. What it's doing is no. I'm not saying it's ruining it, but in general, like where where the general public knows how to attack that money. What what David's saying is like now, like between the three of us, we can blow up any stock we want. We no, we can't. You don't think so? No. Why not? How much money do you have a if if how much money do you have to throw into a single stock? Influence wise. Mm-mm. Influence wise. So I could I could put, you know, I don't know, however many thousand dollars. Um, and then I could tell everybody else this stock's gonna take up take off. Or we're fucking somebody, put your money in the stock, hold out until we get thoroughly fucked, and then you know I'll tell you when to pull out. So the, the, the answer is effectively both- that's effectively what just happened. And the, the reason, so what, what this last week has, has shown for really the first time is that it's possible for retail investors to be able to directly counter short selling. Now, the reason why I don't think that you're going to see this become a widespread strategy is because it requires a lot of focus and retail money is dwarfed by institutional money. And so GameStop's a bit of a unique case where it started off pretty cheap. So people could buy in for relatively low. Second, it had a really relatively low float and its short interest was super high to the point where I don't know if I've seen stocks that have been shorted above 100%. So you have a confluence of factors of it was easy for people to get in, short interest was super high, and the number of shares available on the market was relatively low. So that outsized, that, that basically was a multiplicative effect three times over for the influence that retail investors have. Now, if you have retail investors that are just kind of spreading their money around on various shorted stocks or whatever, it's probably not going to work as well because you really need to have a direct and focused approach on this. And if you can get groups of people together to say, here's a stock that's heavily shorted, we're going to all go in on this and you've got enough capital or whatever, you might be able to initiate another short squeeze. But it, well, that's why, that's why I think what's happening is like now people are smart enough to use the Internet. Over 20 years ago, they weren't able to use that, like a dot-com bubble well, no. that happened. Social media, social media, Reddit in particular, um, having such this caring. That's what Damien is saying. It's, like it's, it's, it's easily replicated. It is. Uh, guys, we gotta, we got to change the topic a little bit because we are getting on the tail end of the podcast. We hit the hour mark. Uh, James, your brother's watching. He's saying something about a GME stock. I think GME is something. That's GameStop. Watching. Uh, but um, he said you have to get the insects together to coordinate, and it has to be over leverage. I got two things. Uh, one, I want to add, and then I want to talk to Damien for a second, um, because I don't think we, it's difficult to delve into exactly how to buy stocks unless we're doing a tutorial video. Well, if we want, like, we'd have to do a separate video as to how do you identify what stocks you want to buy. Fair enough. And, and that's that's predicting the future. That's like gambling. Well, no, that's well, like betting on roulette. It's like you bet some degree. Black, you black. You bet black thirteen. But if you know what you're you doing, it, you can. It. If you know what you're doing, you can load the dice in your favor. Exactly. It's like gambling. You know how to read the cards of blackjack and count cards. You win a game. Uh, on a unless you know how to do that, you're fucked. On a different note, I'd like to add that PETA today released a statement that they, they're attacking their – they think it's bad that people are using animal words as derogatory words. If I'm like, oh, he's such a pig. Uh, um, they, they Bulls to- and Bears has been part of Wall Street lingo 
for over a century. So PETA can go get screwed. PETA, no, unrelated to Wall Street. Unrelated to Wall Street. Um, they're just saying that you shouldn't call people by animal names as derogatory because every animal is special. We've gone too soft in America. Sorry. Yeah, well, well, I don't think I, I don't think that there's a lot of people that are going to get behind Peter's stance. So let's not even address it. Um, and then I wanted so I have not. Damien, I haven't. Yet, I got him trapped now. The email log out, but um, Damien, I got you trapped. Uh, I haven't seen yes. haven't seen you in two plus years. It's been about six years since we kind of really had a couple of minutes to sit down. Um, so Damien, James, you may not know this. Yeah. So uh, I, I started out at a small brokerage, uh, great company, and I made a lot of money working there. And I hired a team, and the company had its ups and downs. And at a certain point, um, my team and I decided that we wanted to, my team really wanted to go somewhere else. Branch out and start to a new company. No. Which is, you're free to do your thing, you know? No, no. The team decided that they were they were really um, they weren't happy with kind of the way things going at the company. They're going to leave. So rather than my team leaving me because I was I was happy with the company, I said, you know what, guys, we're going to go we're going to go to a new company and, and I'll take care of you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure that you got a good place to go. I don't I don't want you to go to this company. You go to this company. You go to this company because Danny and I know we've hired probably thousands of real estate agents and trained them. That for the most part, when people leave our charge, they go to another company, they are unsuccessful. Wouldn't you it agree? feels like a uh, prostitution ring. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> no, I disagree with you. But, <laughs> but yes, you know what I'm saying. Damien and I have, uh, have hired a lot of new real estate agents and went and we've trained them. And a lot of them have had success under us. But the ones that go to other companies and, and for whatever reason, they want to go somewhere else, a lot, I would say 98% of them do not find success and they leave the real estate market. And nope. they, they want to do their own thing and want to find their own way in real estate. They don't want question. success. They want to do their own thing and learn what we're trying to teach them. How many people have you hired and have quit under your charge have, been, have become successful real estate agents somewhere else? I would say like under twenty percent. Probably, yeah, probably a lower. Less than that. that. Yeah. It's so just, what, um, what I'm saying though, Damien, hear me out. Is that my team wanted to go to other places? They want to split up. I said over my dead body, and what I did was I I opened an office and I brought them with me, and I didn't say anything to my closest friends that I worked with, like Damien. And and then just one day we kind of got up and, and we said, hey, guys, we're out. But so, you know, this Damien, I'll get it off my chest while we're live on Sip Talk. I didn't tell guys like you and a couple of the other guys in the office because I didn't want to do so much damage to the company that I had come from. I didn't want to you know, recruit other people that I, that I was working with because I didn't want I, I realized that my team leaving the company was uh, a blow in itself. And was doing some kind of battle damage. I didn't want to do damage from all around. And I knew obviously Damien is one of the real estate agents from New York City I respect the most. Um, I knew that he would be good where he was. So just want to get that off my chest, Damien. No, well, like it's you <laughs> did what you have to do for your own needs. Like everybody has to make their own money, right? 
you Let know, me, I, I, I one of the first times I showed an apartment for you. Okay. I said one of the first times I showed an apartment for you. The guy told me he didn't want to be next to a church because <laughs> the homeless people were there. I, he, I, Jamie was showing an apartment for me. Making one of the clients. <laughs> didn't want to be next to a church. Justin texted me and goes, "Tell him to go to hell with gasoline pants on." <laughs> so, no, so, so this is so back in the day we had this system where you know we had people you know. You, you have agents that go and show apartments, basically, and you coach them through the showing. So Damien's on the showing, and he's like, the guy doesn't like the apartment because he wants it because he doesn't want to be next to a church. They feed the homeless people. And I, well, he didn't say anything at that moment about homeless people. No, he told me. He goes, the guy, I, Damien, they feed homeless people. <laughs> Damien told me, I don't want to live next to a church. And I'm just like, who? What the fuck? Like, how does somebody, how anti religious are you? You don't want to be living next to a church. Um, and so I said, Damien, I need you to do me a favor. Tell, tell the client to go to hell with gasoline pants on. <laughs> and, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you actually told the client that. And I laughed and I walked away. <laughs> um, but either either way, James, anything we're missing on stocks, obviously, without a deeper delve. Um, I mean, we're missing a lot because there's a... And I'm only scratching the surface here, but... Um, we haven't really talked about how options trading works or how options affect the overall market. And what I would say is, like, tomorrow's going to be a really interesting day with GameStop because with with buy action being being allowed again, I'm going to see a lot of the people that wanted to buy today getting back in again because this morning when buy action still existed, GameStop opened in the 400s. And it was as high as like 480 at one point. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until um, people were forced into a closed position only um, options that the, the stock really started to tank. And after hours, the stock came back pretty hard. So I think that tomorrow's going to be a really interesting day. Also, tomorrow and next Friday are going to be really big days for two reasons. One is that options contracts on GameStop expire tomorrow and next Friday. And a lot of times for people in short positions, the, the short calls are going to like the, um, the margin calls to close short positions or cover their shorts happen on Fridays. So there might be a lot of shorts that are going to have to cover it tomorrow and next Friday. And that's why even when GameStop was trading at 125 and I was looking at like a 70% loss on the stock, I didn't sell today. Um, if I could have bought, I would have bought more. I would have bought more when it was trading below 150. I would have gotten in, but both of my brokerages prohibited me from doing so, which was pissed about. But and that, um, and that's where we have... That's where we have a lot of issues with the platforms, and I think there's going to be some crazy shit that happens. But maybe they hold out and they pay more money in fines than they do in losses. It's possible. possible. James, I guess you want a quick, quick question before we leave. Yeah, man. If you had to like predict another short stock in the next year, two years, 
like based on a pandemic. I know it's like tough because like well like like somebody like AMC, like nobody's going there, you know, like like based on like what happens in the next year if everybody gets vaccinated, like what do you you think the next possible short stock would be? Well, I mean, if you're asking me to go out a year, that's impossible because short short stock short selling stocks is generally a, a relatively short term play. Why, why, exactly. Why do you hit? Why do you hit a week and then you hit a month? So within a week, I I, I think that you like GameStop's is still where it's at. Um, that's where you're seeing the highest volume. You're seeing the highest option premium on on GameStop. You're you're seeing the most action. And that that's that's the, the that's where the battle lines are drawn is GameStop. Now, other stocks that people really like out there, um, AMC, BlackBerry, Nokia, Naked Brands, um, Bed Bath and Beyond, um, Legenda Pharmaceuticals, um, Kalito Biosciences is one that's popping up on my ticker as well. well like, what about like JC Penny, Sears? Like, there's block and mortar places. I wouldn't touch either JC Penny or Sears. Let me, let me Why, I wouldn't either, but I was saying like for like short stuff. So our our generation it likes GameStop. Our generation likes AMC. Our generation was in love with Blackberries and said we would never go to an all touch screen phone because we like the buttons and we love Blackberry. I hate Blackberry. <laughs> I, I have a Blackberry. I love Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> These are things that people in our generation were passionate about. Okay, apparently also Bed Bath & Beyond. But there are some companies that never garnered that passion. And I don't think you're going to find a bunch of people standing behind that. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know anyone in our generation who's passionate about JCPenney's. Right? JCPenney is not, is, not, is not a stock that I would target. But the reason is because people have that passion behind BlackBerry. They have the passion behind the movies. Imagine a world where the movie theaters don't exist. That's a wild world, right? Imagine a world where uh, video game stores don't exist. That's a wild, wild world. Um, even I don't I- think that's going to happen ever, especially like PS5, Xbox One. You know, like people always want that next edition to play on, whether it's digital or not. They're just going to download games. They're not. They don't give a shit. But they're still going to download, like, buy the system and download the game. Sure, that's true. Video games are always going to be big. Um, guys, we are well past the hour mark. Uh, Damien, it was nice to have you on here. Nice to catch up. We need to catch up off offline, uh, maybe this week, maybe tomorrow. Uh, James? Yeah, give me a call, bud. James, the Wolf of Wall Street, Gordon Gecko. James is buying Blue Star stock right now. So. No, I'm looking at I'm I'm sorting by short percent of float for something to give uh, a couple other stocks that are really high in terms of their short ratios. Um, so here here I'm going to give you three. Um, so GameStop, which we already talked about, um, Ligand Pharmaceuticals has a short percent of float of 108. Mm-hmm. That's LGND. Um, another one, GNC Holdings. And this one's probably a good one, actually, because it's trading, yeah. trading pretty cheap. Um, it's trading at only $3.45 a share, and it's at 103%. Um, Dillard's, Dillard's is another one. Dillard's is a JC Fannies, by the way. Yeah, but Dillard's is trading at $83 a share instead of $0.18 cents a share. So let's not compare the two. <laughs> um, 
those are. I, I'm looking. I might actually see if I can do something with uh, GNC. All right. Well, look. Uh, throw your disclaimer out there one more time, and let's wrap. Huh? Throw your disclaimer out there one more time. Oh yeah. For for anyone still watching, we're not financial advisors, and any um any any of our advice on this is for entertainment only. If if you actually want to invest in stocks, then you should cons consult a licensed professional. If you choose to take any of our advice on any of the on any things that you've heard tonight, the risk you're taking is your own, and we have not advised you to do any of these things. And any losses you suffer are a result of your own decisions and not our advice. Did Justin write that contract for you? <laughs> no, I, I spat that off on the top of my head. I, I work in accounting. I know how to come up with this language. <laughs> no, I'm just with you. I'm just laughing. <laughs> Stocks. Uh, on that note, uh, James Bosnia Boswell, Damien, uh, I don't have a middle name for your name, Supressi. Uh, thank you for joining us. We will see you guys next time on Sip Talk. Thank you for I want to join you guys again. So it was Cheers. fun. Uh, adios, guys. Uh, thank you for joining. If you liked what you saw, considering consider sharing this podcast with a friend. It would greatly, greatly help us out. And as always, I appreciate you watching and listening. See you soon. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.